0: Are you ready for a little pep talk on your coffee break? Then here's your host, Grace. When Tesh and her fiancé, Seb, moved to Raglan five or so years ago to live a self-proclaimed hippie lifestyle, they never imagined they would end up running the biggest non-dairy yogurt business in the country. They were looking for a non-dairy alternative to fuel their love of yogurt because dairy had started flaring up Seb's allergies. So Tish started making coconut yogurt in a pot in her kitchen. When she made a too big a batch and had a few spare bottles, she popped them on the Raglan Facebook page and straight away she had a waiting list of locals keen to get in on the action. And the rest, as they say, is history. Except it's not really, is it? It's never that easy. The rest is actually five or so years of incredible hard work from Tesh, Seb and their team. From travelling the country with a chili bin, cold calling supermarkets, to outgrowing machinery and equipment on the regular. As Tesh says, it's been one big challenge, but a fun one. Tesh is such a warm, kind and successful woman and I can't wait to share her full story with you. From being homeschooled, finishing early, not going to uni, through so many jobs and small businesses, all the way to now, running the Raglan Food Company with her husband, sorry, fiancé, while still enjoying everything the Raglan Hippie Lifestyle has to offer. Let's hear all about it. Hello, hi Tish, thank you for joining me. Welcome to Pip Talk. Thanks, guys.
1: Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, it's it's really great to have you on. I had have had you guys on the list of dream pep talk guests for a while. So I'm really excited to hear all about the business and all of your other adventures too as well. Uh, but before we do, we always start off these pep talk chats with some this or that questions just to warm you up a little bit. Okay. So fun. yeah. Are you ready to kick into yours? So ready. All right, number one, nice and simple to start with: breakfast or dinner?
1: Hmm, breakfast. Yeah.
0: Nice and yogurt, I'm guessing as well.
1: Yeah, it usually features.
0: <laughs> Although you can use it in dinner as well, so you know. This is true. Works both ways. <laughs> All right, number two. Do you prefer a run by the beach or going for a bush walk? Uh,
1: beach walk plus puppy. If that's an option.
0: Aww, <laughs> that's what I'm doing at the moment. <laughs> yes. What kind of puppy have you got?
1: Uh, she's a rescue pup. Um, she's a Whippet it Away Cross. Oh. So she is crazy speedy. Yeah. She's so cute. fast.
0: That's good and probably needs a lot of walks I imagine.
1: I am walking more than I have ever walked in my life. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Having a dog is really good for you.
1: I'll say it's like an exercise program in a furry package.
0: (laughs) Yeah and you feel bad for them if you don't take them out so yeah it works both ways. Mm -hmm. All right next up we've got to-do list or go with the flow.
1: To-do list yeah I'm a chronic to-do lister
0: me too (laughs) i guess it's not surprising with how much you've got on your plate which i'm sure we will hear all about but i'm sure you need to keep that quite organized yeah that helps Mm -hmm. all right another one that is nice and simple too burgers or pizza
1: burgers yeah i like both but burgers vegan burgers
0: oh yeah i was gonna say do you eat uh meat in regular or like animal products in regular life aside from yogurt
1: no. no. No, I've been vegetarian since I was 18. Um mm. And then pretty much vegan for um, coming up six years.
0: Awesome. I bet you have some good vegan recipes at your house. Yes, I do. <laughs> you should do it. Oh, you did do a cookbook, didn't you? I was going to say you should do a cookbook. <laughs> yeah. You, you did one for your fundraising originally, didn't you?
1: Yeah, it was just a short one. It only had 11 recipes, but... Yeah, maybe a full cookbook or somewhere in the future.
0: Yes, I would be very here for that. <laughs> All right. And then last one we've got weekdays or weekends?
1: Ah, oh, the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> definitely the weekend
0: yeah you kind of can't beat the weekend (laughs) no all right perfect so to begin with everything diving into all of the details I kind of like to set the scene a little bit at the start by hearing a bit about your own background before we kind of jump into the business part of the story I think it's really cool to hear where everything began for you and often leads into the story quite nicely so I think I remember hearing that you didn't you didn't go to uni did you you finished school early and jumped straight into working so maybe you can tell us a bit about where you you grew up and what that time was like and that decision making around going to uni for you.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, so I not only didn't go to uni, I also never went to school. So oh, yeah, wow. quite a different sort of upbringing, I suppose. I was homeschooled. Um, so I have never set foot in a classroom <laughs> um, or taken an exam or yeah, or anything like that. So my sort of education experience is probably quite different to most people's. Um, Yeah, we were all homeschooled. There's four of us. I'm the oldest. Um, And Mum had decided that she wanted to homeschool her kids before she even had kids. Um, And yeah, and dad was really supportive of that too. So he worked from home as an architect and builder. And um, yeah, we were all at home as well. So it was a lot of family time. And also, a lot of free time because I could do my work at my own pace and then free up time later to play or read or whatever I wanted to do. So, um, yeah, I had, I had quite a lot of, of time to think and read, and I loved reading business books. I started reading business books when I was quite little, um, and I came up with all sorts of different little enterprises. Like outsourcing my chores to my sister (laughs) (laughs) and um, baking and selling the baking on the side of the road by the mailbox. And then when I was 12, I found Trade Me, um, which was very new, I think, at the time. It was probably just when it started and found I could buy cell phones on there really cheap that didn't have photos or descriptions. And then I would take photos of them with a digital camera, a really cheap digital camera that I bought on TradeMe, and um, relist them with nice write ups and a photo and sell them for a lot more. And that was um,
0: my first little
1: business model.
0: That's like, I love that. It's like marketing, just like straight marketing. It's just straight marketing, yeah. yeah. I added very little other value.
1: (laughs) <laughs> to be honest, apart from, I would clean the phone if it was a bit grubby and then I would buy a charger if say it had a broken oh, yeah. charger or something like that. so oh
0: very smart. Um, I love that,
1: yeah, but that was cool and yeah, I made a little bit of pocket money doing that and um, so I actually finished school, like finished seventh form when I was fifteen because you can just work a bit faster, I guess oh, with home schooling packed um, it all in, yeah, yeah, I packed it in. So I was cool. done and sort of ready to do something um, then, and I didn't want to go to uni. I sort of already knew that there wasn't anything I could see myself dedicating four years of my life to, mm. and I knew I wanted to do something businessy or something to do with writing because I'd always loved writing. Um, so I just started working. So I've been, yeah, I've been working full-time since I was 15, didn't do an OE, didn't go to university. So I've done... I've done a lot of jobs for my age. (laughs) I was working as a a personal assistant at an insurance company, and then I worked at an event management company, and then I worked in accounting, Um, then I started freelance writing articles and restaurant reviews for a magazine. I self-published a children's book when I was 18, and then I went around and sold it to um, shops. So, just I used my savings to print it and then, um, yeah, walked around stores and gift shops and asked if they would stock it. Before then, I also made little paintings on canvases and I took those into gift shops too and sold some of them. Um, So, I've done a lot of. just putting myself out there <laughs> ever
0: yeah. since I was quite young. Um, That's fantastic. I guess it's not really surprising where you've kind of ended up with everything with that background. Like, obviously, that spark was in you from a pretty early age.
1: Well, it was good practice. It was definitely good practice, all these things. And you don't realize it at the time, but then looking back later, you think, oh, wow, all those different experiences all kind of added together and became something.
0: Yeah, it's all part of the journey, and you would have learned something from every single one of them that helped the next one and is helping you now and everything. Yep.
1: Yeah. But I don't think we give enough credit to our past experience often. You know, we tend to yeah. be very future focused.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Unless it directly relates to what you like want to do in a very specific way, then yeah, you don't really credit it as being a valuable part of the experience. Yeah. It's like any work experience is
1: valuable. Um teaches you yeah about other people you learn about yourself and then I ended up in Christchurch um, and I was working for a radio station down there and then I got involved in a group who were doing venture development as part of the startup incubator space down there Um, yeah I was doing all sorts of different things I was writing articles for web development companies um, and then the earthquakes struck <laughs> and kind of changed all the things I had on the go in Christchurch. It just didn't feel like somewhere I wanted to be anymore. The whole vibe changed and a lot of the things that I was involved in couldn't um, couldn't continue operating. I was running like a little networking group at a, a cafe. The cafe was sort of destroyed and yeah. Um, well, that's full on, yeah. Yeah, it was full on and then moved uh, up to Auckland.
0: Is that where you met your husband? Yes, I was just getting to him.
1: Mm. Um, He's not my husband, actually. We're engaged. (laughs) This is the never-ending engagement. We got engaged right before the yogurt business started. So we'd set a date for the wedding, we're starting to plan it, and then everything just snowballed with the business, and we just kept saying oh we'll put it on hold till next year we'll put it All on the hold time. till the next yeah. year <laughs> so it's still on hold <laughs> um, oh wow
0: yeah because I saw that you were that you had been engaged in them because your nickname and your Mr. and Mrs. Mr. Coconut, Coconut. Like, well, yeah. must be married because it's Mrs. Coconut
1: <laughs> yeah no people in town started calling us that the owner That's of the cute. local um, organic <laughs> shop he actually started that we used oh. to walk in together with our chili bin delivering the the yoghurt to him, he was our first stockist, and uh-huh. he'd be like, oh, here comes Mr. and Mrs. Coconut. <laughs> we just liked it, so then we ended up putting it on our T-shirts. Oh, so um,
0: appropriate, I
1: like
0: it. Yeah, yeah, so you met him while you were in Oh Auckland yeah, so we met and,
1: in Auckland. Yeah. Um, he was working at Telecom, it was Telecom then, before it became Spark, um, in the strategy department, and yeah, we met at a seminar um, called The Art of Happiness, given by this lovely little smiley monk guy, and we were friends for a year and then we got together and and then we wanted a change of scene and to kind of combine forces he was over the corporate life um, at telecom and he had always wanted to live in Raglan for, for a really long time because he's a surfer he's a really keen surfer and we just decided we'd move down here and we started a little um, digital agency together so sort of combine our skills and. That's right called the good agency mm, um, and
0: specialized in sustainable businesses is that right that's right
1: or, yeah yep. sustainable cool. ethical businesses and right. so a lot of the things that we were doing for people under that business we're now doing for ourselves for so that was all yeah. good practice as well but um yeah we definitely did not plan on starting a yoga business that was nowhere in the <laughs> timeline of ideas because um, it was a really crazy like the whole timing was really off <laughs> like we, we, i said we just gotten engaged so we got engaged yep. in germany he's german um he proposed in a hot air balloon flying over this really cute little old city um oh, in germany you. and yeah. then we bought a house like a real do-up needed some serious renovation type place um and we moved in we started building a yurt in the garden And I had a second children's book coming out with a publishing company who had seen the first one that I self-published and then thought they'd publish one with me, which was cool. And so I had all of that going on. And then the business we were running together was getting busier. And so when, when I offered a couple of jars of yogurt for sale to the locals and then had 60 people say they wanted it, and then it sort of just took off from there it was like well what like why are we doing this like we we don't have time to make yogurt (laughs)
0: for for the town of Ragland you would never plan it that way but it kind of just all happens and then you're like oh okay (laughs) so that's happening
1: (laughs) that was pretty much it and so then our garage, which, because our house is mainly garage, and we'd planned to convert the garage into house, mm. it was actually quite handy that we had this huge garage because that became storage for jars, boxes, a big fridge for all the yogurt. Like, it, it was kind of yogurt <laughs> HQ. Yeah,
0: so, and, you, so mm. it obviously wasn't on the radar and wasn't something you were planning, but what, there must have been something that sparked that idea in the first place. So what? tell me a bit about how that, how you even came to be making coconut yogurt in the first place.
1: Oh, it was just because we noticed, so we're already vegetarian, um, but we still ate dairy, so I still had cheese and milk and so on, and we both were big yogurt eaters, like, yeah, I've I've tried every brand, I think, every brand of dairy yogurt um, available, and yeah, so noticed that Seb was reacting to the dairy, or he was always kind of, he's got all sorts of allergies, he's got grass and pollen and various allergies, but all, dairy one of them, Um, and we thought, oh, well, we'll cut dairy out because apparently a lot of people reckon if you cut out dairy, it stops mucus forming. And then, you know, even if you have other allergies like dust mites and pollen, it can be less affected if you don't eat dairy. Um, so we thought we'd give that a go. And yeah, just didn't want to give up eating yogurt because it's delicious and we like it. And, um. I thought, well, I'll just have to make it at home, because we were already making our own bread, said Bakes bread, and I was brewing kombucha every week, and I was like, oh well, yoghurt, you know, we'll just make yoghurt. Natural progression, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very Raglan, like people <laughs> people here, they do their little sprouted seeds, and they grow their microgreens, and you know, everyone kind of makes things here. Um, so, just played around, trying to make something that tasted nice, and yeah, there wasn't really much on the market. There was like an Australian brand that was exporting here. There was some soy yogurt that I thought tasted gross, um, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not nice. No. Um, and yeah, ended up with a yogurt that was really good, like, like really good, like better than my favorite other brands we'd been buying before, and and that was pretty much it. We were just wanting to eat it at home. And it was just because I made a big batch, and I was like, "Oh well, we can't eat all of this; it'll go off." I'll see if anyone wants to buy a jar, and I offered two jars for sale on the Raglan Facebook notice board page, and had this huge response. And and in Raglan, people are really supportive; like, it's a very, it's a very nice community-focused town, and I think people were like, "Oh yeah, like I'll get a jar of that." Like. But they all, you know, once they'd had a jar, then they're like telling their friends and then they're putting posts on the notice board saying, oh, this is delicious. Like everybody should get this. And it just, yeah, they kind of did all the marketing. And um, yeah, then the local, we're good friends with the guy who owned the the organic shop. And he was like, oh, I'll sell it at my shop. And and then I, I was doing a column at the, at the time, a business column for um, Hamilton News. So then my editor was like, Oh, I hear you're making this yogurt now. That's very interesting. Maybe we should do a story about it. And I was like, Oh, it's a bit soon. <laughs> we're like, we're just making it by hand. <laughs> like, I don't know. But, and she's like, Oh, no, it's a good local story. It'll be nice. And so, and she's lovely and supportive. And so she did this article. And then, then we had all these shops that read the article, like, Oh, we want to stock it. And so it kind of, yeah, it just, to an extent, it really just happened by itself at the beginning was very little
0: um effort
1: on on our part
0: yeah when was the moment that you were kind of like oh this is this could be something, like, did you get an inkling at some stage, and have to kind of decide to, I guess you would have had to have made a call at some stage, like, do we just say to everyone, no, 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 there's no more yoghurt, stop asking, or do we, <laughs> yeah. like, we're not the yoghurt people
1: anymore, because yeah. <laughs> I was starting, I'd walk downtown, and people would be like, oh, you're that yoghurt lady, aren't you, yeah. are you are the one doing the yoghurt? <laughs> it's so funny to become known for yoghurt, it was just, yeah, and, um, yeah, no, quite early on because I started hiring the, like we only made it at home the first couple of weeks and then we realized, oh, food safety, like we're not going to be able to do this. So we hired the community kitchen and then I very swiftly hired one of our first customers, well, from that very first batch and her partner because she was looking for work and they seemed really nice. So we sort of already had two staff <laughs> in the first couple of weeks and we started, we bought a really big... Um, stainless steel brewing pot because I was making it in like my home my little home pot like I was just making batch after batch and so that that was good so in that first couple of weeks like because I was spending the weekends making yogurt with Lily and Luke the two people that would hide and Sib came home from surfing and I was stressed I was like I can't get enough coconut cream. And I like, how am I going to make enough yogurt? And so he was like, okay, okay. Like, let's sit down. Like, what on earth are you doing here? Because <laughs> he was sort of staying out of it a bit up until this point. But he was like, you know, we're really busy. Like, you know, we want to renovate the house, right? And we want to do this. And, and I was like, yeah, well, but people really like this yogurt. <laughs> and so he was like, okay, well, we'll just sit. We'll set a goal and then you know, maybe we can just have a nice little self-sustaining business and some friends of ours can run it. Like, that's what we were thinking. We're like, oh, well, there's lots of hippies that don't have employment in Raglan, like someone would like to run a yogurt business on the side. And yeah, so our first goal was a thousand jars a week. We we set that goal and we were like, okay, if we can do a thousand jars a week, then it's it's big enough that it could have some staff and maybe someone can look after it for us or something. and. Yeah, and then we hit that goal really quickly. And then it was like, okay, well, there's definitely something here. Like, maybe we'll just keep going and see where we can take this thing (laughs) um,
0: that's awesome like what a it sounds cheesy in this context but what like an organic way for it all to kind of tick along like it was never like you sat down you're like we're going to create you know the biggest coconut yogurt business in the world it was kind of like just flowed on one step from one step and ended up where you are today which is awesome that's pretty much it and like it does sound like it happened quite quickly and that everyone was really interested in it but I'm kind of wondering was there much of like an education that you had to do because it was a wee while ago now and I know that like alternative milks and plant-based products and everything are just more and more prevalent now but it, not that long ago they weren't that ar- around that much like no. yogurt just traditionally came from dairy so did you have to do any education or was it more that that, that people knew how great it was going to be Oh, no,
1: we had to do heaps. No one had any idea what it was. People mm. people were like, oh, coconut yogurt. Oh, so it's yogurt with coconut in it. Like, that's yeah. what everybody thought. Yeah. Um, and then anytime you'd say, oh, no, it's dairy-free yogurt, they'd be like, dairy-free yogurt? Like, how is that possible? Like yeah. Yeah, no, nobody had any idea what it, what it was. Um, but a lot of people were really happy to find it because they were lactose intolerant. Or, like, a lot of people had just given up eating yogurt. They just they're like oh that's just something I can't eat anymore you know there's nothing tasty that I can buy that's dairy free and then they'd try it and they'd be like wow is this really dairy free like this is incredible and um yeah and then they would become customers and Mm.
0: And I guess now it's kind of got to the stage where it's reasonably well known now you know and you probably did a lot of the legwork on that getting this you know the alternative dairy free yogurts into the mainstream is probably a large part down to you guys but it must be helping as well now like with the growth and everything,
1: yeah. Well, we're we're the market leader um, mm. in dairy-free yogurt. Um, I think we've got about fifty-four percent market share now. Um, That's awesome. That's a big so, yeah. yeah. So it, we definitely did a lot of that um groundwork and because i went around and did tastings in stores and heaps of food shows and heaps of expos so it was literally like talking to thousands of people and being and explaining what it was and getting them to try it and yeah but now there's lots of brands the there heaps of brands started after us so i think there's maybe nine now maybe even ten different dairy-free yogurts in new zealand so
0: yeah it's definitely grown a lot so in terms of that kind of growth um was it? Were there some challenges with how quickly it all happened for you? Like I know that that can be the case sometimes. That that quick growth is a bit of a curse. Like, did you struggle to keep up in terms of machinery and things like that, and team numbers and things? Everything
1: was a challenge. <laughs>
0: yeah. Everything is
1: still a challenge.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, because
1: because it happened how it happened with no no real plan, no past experience, no capital. Because we've just got a big mortgage on our do up house (laughs) so we we didn't really have anything um behind us to start with um so it was a lot of learning on the fly and kind of making up solutions as we went along and a lot of trial and error like for for everything really and yeah because we would outgrow things as fast as we put them in place so we just kind of perfect our method of um brewing with 200 litre brewing pots at the same time and then it would be like okay well we can't make enough in these like now what are we going to do and then we needed to get a thousand litre tank and and then everything changes with each stage that you scale up it changes the whole process everything has to change around it so then you've got a new process and then you have to train everyone on what you do now and and there's like a little domino effect where one thing changes and then that affects everything else and so yeah I mean it was all just one big challenge (laughs) really (laughs) but but a fun challenge in many ways like it was exciting and we were learning heaps of things every day we both like learning um and i've done lots of journalism and so you know researching things is is fine and then said um a very very clear thinker, he's very strategic and he's also very good with the financial side and the numbers side, um, because he studied um, financial modeling and he's done mathematics and he's done um, an MBA, Um, so yeah, so really good um, like complementary skill set between us, which is helpful.
0: And I guess if you, as you've grown as well, you've kind of like your role must have changed a bit. Obviously, in the beginning, you started out making the yogurt for yourself in your house, and then now you've got a team. And you, I'm guessing that you're less hands-on, and you kind of have to more focus on this as a business and strategy and growth and things. Like that's a big step away from not that long ago making the yogurt with your own two hands. Like, what's that change been like for you personally? Well, I've done nearly every role in the
1: business. So I've done. <laughs> Making the yogurt, I've done packing the yogurt, I was the dispatch manager for a while, I've been the HR person, and I'm still kind of the HR person to an extent. I did all the hiring, Um, I did all the sales, so I went around on a road trip around New Zealand with a little chilli bin and literally just walked into supermarkets and asked them if they wanted to stock the yogurt like which is not the right method I now know like you're not supposed to do that you're supposed to go to the head office and then you're supposed to get approval and then you're supposed to get loaded in the system and yeah. and I just just balled right in there with the yogurt um but it still worked it obviously um, worked yeah I was gonna yeah, say yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah I don't know if it would still work now but it worked then and yeah so I think it's really good because it between seven and I we've we've done a lot of the roles and we kind of know what's involved in almost every stage of the process. He really understands the technical side better than I do, because um, he's bought all the equipment and commissioned every upgrade and you know, he he's got quite a like a technical sort of engineering type mind. Um but yeah you have to keep moving yourself out of positions and filling them with suitable people Um, because I'm not suitable to do all these things like I'm just doing them because I was who was available but
0: Yeah. (laughs) um, yeah that's very true it's like yeah it's so helpful that you've had that experience between the two of you like it will really help you as you grow because you understand so much of the intricacies of the business but at the same time you have to be careful that you don't get caught up doing things that someone else could do where you could be better used somewhere else that uses your skills to the best advantage and things so it's a bit of a double-edged sword I guess to some extent yeah
1: yeah that's really true
0: Hmm.
1: stuff that I really like doing is around people brand marketing like those are the things that I enjoy the most so I think there's also a lot of benefit in like catering to your strengths and trying to do more of the things you enjoy because you're just better at those
0: things (laughs) yeah yeah and I'm glad that you said the things that you enjoy as well because it's the things that you're good at but it also needs to be the things that bring you joy and that you get satisfaction in because otherwise it's just not sustainable if you're grinding away in things that you're like resenting Mm, as you're doing them what's the point (laughs) yeah and a big part of everything that you guys do um, of course the yoga is key part of it but the 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 work that you guys do around using this business as a tool to be doing good is massive part of what you do, like being in carbon zero and living wage accredited and donating money and your time to so many causes. I'd love to hear a little bit about all of that work that you're doing and why that is so important to you.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the fun part, really. <laughs> um, I mean, we moved to Raglan planning to be hippies. That was really our big plan was like oh we're gonna build a yes and a tiny house we're gonna have a big veggie garden fruit trees beehives compost like worm farm you know all of these happy oh,
0: mode nice
1: so we <laughs> we've, we've got quite a few of those things we have done quite a few of those things um, although the worm farm is sadly neglected at the moment <laughs> you keep forgetting to give them scraps um, but um, yeah, so we, we wanted to do that, like we wanted to live a lower footprint, more environmentally sustainable life. Um, and now we've ended up running a business, like a much bigger business than we could have foreseen. Mm, wasn't um,
0: part of the plan, yeah. So it wasn't
1: really part of the plan, and I wanted to do a lot less. I'd even written a whole book on being <laughs> the to be list. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and so that was that was what we wanted wanted to be doing more of um but so now that we have this business it's like well we've got this you know it's an opportunity it is a platform and we may as well do the things that we believe in with it um so yeah so i have tried to do that where we can so all sorts of different projects planting trees on polluted waterways sponsored beehives with um encourage people to pick up plastic we're trying to pick up a million pieces of plastic around new zealand so we give anyone who does a cleanup free yogurt and we just ship it out to them and say thank you and add the the plastic that they find to our tally. we're nearly at two hundred thousand pieces now we sponsor the local animal sanctuary we sponsor um orangutans through the orangutan project we've done yeah collaborations with like sea cleaners sponsoring them to do the work they do picking up plastic from the ocean um yeah and all of these things they feel good you know because they're things that we actually care about um so it's nice that we can use our brand to to do some good um and then out of that is things like carbon zero because yeah it didn't seem it doesn't seem right that as a business just speaking generally um as a business you can have a huge carbon impact but not pay for that um you know like you are you're a business and you're generating income and profit and all these things but you're not actually counting the true cost of doing business and one of those big costs is your impact on the environment and for us even though we're you know, using organic coconut cream and glass jars that are fully recyclable and all these things, like we still have an impact, we, we have to ship our yogurt to stores, you know, that's yeah. trucks that, that do that, like it, it's, yeah, c- carbon is kind of unavoidable um, if you're doing, doing stuff, so yeah, so the least we can do is at least track it and capture it and then pay to offset it um, with tree planting and projects like that, so Yeah, so we did that, and then the living wage thing, we've been living wage accredited for um, three years now, so most of the journey, three and a half years. Um, And that was just because we felt bad not paying our staff well. (laughs) It just didn't feel like minimum wage just, it's so low. At the time it was, well, lower than it is now. Um, And so we put it up as quickly as we could. I mean, at the start we really couldn't afford to pay anyone hardly anything, we weren't making anything, but it just, I guess it just locks you into um, increasing as inflation increases or as um, cost of living increases so that you can kind of guarantee like that your staff are getting enough to, you know, be able to buy decent food and and have a decent life and afford to go on a holiday and all these sorts of things, which often yeah people living on a minimum wage just just can't really do.
0: So cool that you guys do so so many different things in that space as well like a lot of brands I guess would kind of treat those kind of activities as a bit of a ticking the box exercise sometimes like it's gotten to the stage now where it's expected that most businesses will do something in terms of community or consciousness and things like that but I feel like you guys have gone so big with it and spread it so wide that it's just really like living and breathing part of the business as well, as how it comes across I guess
1: yeah and most of it we don't promote well, like a lot of it I've never even posted about or said we've done like we support We support all sorts of causes. People come to us every every day, um, asking for something, and we try and say yes wherever we can. I just don't think, I don't think I could run a business that didn't do these things, and still feel good about myself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I love the way that you've woven in your like personal what was important to you guys personally and the life that you guys were looking to create. You've kind of woven that into the business because like that makes total sense because when you own a business like this and you both work in it, it is part of you personally so it's not surprising but yeah it just shows what was important and I love the way you've built that into the kind of DNA of your business going forward.
1: Our faces are on the product like literally so (laughs) yeah we, we we have to take complete responsibility for how we do things and The choices that we make because it really does come right back to us like it's not a big corporate where there's layers of management you know before you get to anyone who's actually responsible for anything (laughs) it's like
0: it's really us that's so true it's so personal and I think that's the way with most businesses that you run, you know that are run by the owner um that it, it does feel like deeply personal to them which is part of what makes it so special I guess
1: you care a lot more
0: Yeah, we've heard a lot about the business and and everything that you guys have got going on, but also you personally do a lot of different things. uh, And so you do like speaking and coaching and like you've mentioned, you're an author and a writer and an editor and so much more. And so I guess like it sounds quite cheesy to say that you do a lot, but like, I've run a small business and I've run one with my husband and I know how consuming it can be. And so I'm genuinely interested to hear. And I think people will be too, not in a, like a cheesy, I don't know how she does it kind of way, (laughs) but, but more in like a practical way. Like what tips have you gotten? What have you learned about getting things done and prioritizing and creating opportunities that you can kind of share with us from what you've learned? Okay. That's a good question um i don't know how she does it yeah because i get that a lot <laughs> i get I comment that all the time
1: oh, how do you do it all yeah do do so i much? thought
0: you might yeah
1: um well tip number one uh no children <laughs> so i feel like if i had kids i i mean i look at friends with kids who also have businesses and i'm just completely blown away by how they manage to do it because it's just so much time and energy and love that you know needs to go into um kids and we don't have kids and even having a puppy now and (laughs) we've only had her for two months and i mean it must be nowhere near the level of work of a kid but it already feels like wow this is an extra responsibility like you know i have to walk this puppy every day for two hours i have to find that time from somewhere and i have to prepare her meals and take her to the vets and
0: you know like (laughs) there's (laughs) definitely similarities i
1: have a lot more respect and appreciation for all working mothers um so, yeah, so I think um, tips wise, um, my whole life I've loved doing multiple things. I get really bored if I just have one thing to focus on. So even when I would have a job, I'd have some sort of side project or side hustle or something I was doing for free for someone or, so there's always multiple things on the go and I just think that's my personality and I just need to, to do that. Um, and on the personality thing, so I'm a Myers-Briggs personality coach, so that's, right. um, that's yep. something that I'm really into and I do that with all the team um, so I do think a lot of it comes down literally to your your wiring like not everyone is wired to be doing lots of different things and for some people it would be really detrimental to try because if you're wired to you know go deep in one area one topic really focus which is more my partner he's much more wired that way um, then you should do that. You know, like don't wear yourself out trying to do all these things that you just don't have the energy for. Like you need to do what energizes you. So I get energy from having multiple things on the go, um, and I've always loved learning. So I like having something that I'm learning alongside things that I'm doing. Um, So I'm like the queen of certificates, I've got a certificate in, because I didn't go to university, but I thought, oh, well, I can do certificates online in my spare time. So I have like a certificate in business management, anything in proofreading, and writing children's books, and I have all these certificates. Um, So, and I think that's just good to keep your brain stimulated, give yourself new information and sort of insights into things. And I don't procrastinate. I am not a procrastinator. I really like to just get on with things so I think that helps a lot I think a lot of people lose quite a lot of time in procrastinating putting things off coming back to it putting it down again coming back to it you lose a lot of time doing that and I remember as a teenager somebody there on this course um, told us that whole eating the frog metaphor um, which you've probably heard which is just find the ugliest thing on your to-do list for the day and do it first like eat the frog like the thing you don't want to do. <laughs> um, and that stuck with me. I was like, like yeah, yeah, that's good. Like, just get it out of the way. Then it's done. You don't have to think about it. Because otherwise you have all this brain space that's ticking in the background, thinking, oh, I have to do that thing. I have to get back and do that thing. Oh, I don't want to do it. Oh. And it
0: pops up when you're trying to get other things done. Yeah, it, it ruins your all, your other,
1: yeah. all your other work. So I think the last thing is just being healthy. Like, being, like you can't really undervalue how much more you can get done when you're in good health and you have good energy levels. Like I I have a lot of energy. I can can work a lot and do stuff in the evenings and still have energy. Um, And I think that's because I've always taken good care of my health. I've never smoked. I don't drink. I take quality vitamins. I eat good food. Um, Now I'm doing a lot of walking. So yeah, I think all of that really helps as well.
0: Yeah, that's good. Oh, there's so much gold in there. But yeah, I agree on so many of those things. Like, And I also love how honest you are about that, like in terms of, you know, saying like you don't have kids at the moment and that's a big part of it. And I think a lot of people, like you kind of alluded to, get caught up in sort of that comparison factor of like, well, she's doing all these things. I should be too. But it's like, well, it might not be the time in your life for you to be doing that or um, it might not be your personality, like you said. And there's no point forcing, what is the phrase, like forcing a square peg into a round hole like if it's not you then just because it's her it doesn't mean it should be you and that kind of thing so yeah so much good stuff there
1: talking with um one of the team about this just last week um about that quote comparison is the thief of joy mm-hmm. that's a so favorite. true
0: yeah mm. uh, and so I'm also interested in that sim- same kind of topic and I'm conscious of time because I have so many things I want to ask you but like you you've talked about how much you love like surfing and nature and exploring and that was all part of kind of why you moved to Raglan and everything so I want to know like do you still do you manage to find time for those things as well that you kind of personally love or do you find that when it gets busy those are the first things that go yeah um overall
1: we've still managed to have a pretty good work-life balance i mean i look at people working in auckland and other bigger places and there's so much time lost just in driving places you know getting to meetings getting to work so we don't have that we're really lucky to be here we can just walk down the road to the factory or like it's so close um and Seb still definitely makes time for surfing like surfing is his number one love in life <laughs> so, or maybe i am in a second but right. it's pretty close like <laughs> maybe the you two things that's definitely close um so he he's amazing like that i'm not as good at um dropping work to do something fun for myself i'll I'll get the work done and then sort of reward myself later. But the thing with surfing is if the waves are good, they're good, and they're only good for maybe one hour of the day, you know, so that's the hour that you need to go surfing. So, so he, yeah, he will, if it's good, he will surf. Um, I'm a wuss and I only surf in summer because it's too cold for me in winter um but yeah I love reading I've always loved reading and so I make time for that and I'm in a book club um with some friends in Raglan and we get together every month and talk about the books we've read and so I yeah I make time for that as well and then now with the puppy um which I've wanted to have forever I've wanted a dog for years um so that was sort of a a covid uh goal (laughs) well covid just made that possible really because everything got cancelled and we're meant to be doing overseas trips and supplier visits and expos and all these things and they just all got cancelled so it's like okay i'm getting a puppy now
0: looks like we're getting the dog (laughs) yep
1: so yeah so now i'm getting to to go for walks and meet up with people to do that so i really enjoy that as well so yeah no i think I think I mean some days we have to sacrifice things we would prefer to be doing because just the work is urgent it has to be done and we're the people who have to do it um but we do we do try and energize ourselves with things we like to do mm,
0: sounds like a good lifestyle I like
1: it yeah Raglan's good if we were not in Raglan and we were doing the same thing somewhere else I think we would be incredibly stressed
0: mm, it would be very different you're right yeah I live a a bit out of wellington and in a a smaller town in the Wadarapa and yeah i I feel that kind of everything's just easier and Mm. so things that if you lived in a big city would be quite stressful and difficult and time-consuming it's just so easy and it just you don't realize how much that removes everything off your plate and allows you to open up to other things until you actually experience it i think
1: so true Mm.
0: and so looking to the future a little bit uh in terms of the plans and everything for because it's raglan food co so does that suggest that at some stage you you think you will diversify into other kind of plant-based foods or coconut products or is it that you feel like you stay in your lane and do what you do well
1: uh nope, that's definitely the reason. Um so we've been Reglan Coconut Yogurt for ages and then we were thinking about it and we're like, oh well we can only ever make yogurt. Like that's quite <laughs> <Yeah>. limiting. <laughs> um and the only reason we had that name is <laughs> because our friend Tim who came around with all his glass jar collection when I was like trying to round up every glass jar in Raglan at the beginning. He's like, oh, what are you going to call it? And we're like, oh, we don't know, something, maybe our initials, So we're going to call it like S and T. Um, He was like, oh, well, it's coconut yogurt and you're making it Reglan, so it's Reglan coconut yogurt. And we're like, yeah, okay, yeah, Dumb. that's good. It seemed a bit long to start with for a brand name. We're like, oh, it's quite long when you write it down, but, yeah, that's what it was. So... Um, Yeah, so now Raglan Food Co, that's in preparation for launching new things, Um, all of which have been put on hold thanks to COVID, <laughs> the great uh, put-on-holder of things, Um, but yeah, hopefully next year we'll be able to, to launch some new things that are not yoghurt, but are dairy-free.
0: Oh, exciting. I will keep an eye out. That sounds very cool. And then overseas as well, you do a bit of and that you're in Australia and Singapore and, and overseas a little bit more is, is it quite challenging for you like distributing a product like that from Raglan to the world like does it have to be I guess it has to be chilled and everything is that logistically quite hard to grow because of that
1: it's a nightmare product to yeah. export <laughs> um I look around at other people I know you had Roman from Fix and Fog on you mm-hmm. show a while ago yeah. I'm like ah oh, peanut butter such a long shelf life, yeah, ambient yeah. storage. Oh, wouldn't that be beautiful? Um, yeah, yogurt. yogurt is hard. Short shelf life, needs to be chilled. So that's but, but fine. I mean, our, our main business is here in New Zealand, only 5% of our sales at the moment are from overseas, and that's just Singapore, Hong Kong, and some Pacific Island um, countries as well. And it does limit the the distance you know you, you couldn't really go too far um, because of the shelf life and that's not a bad thing either. I mean I'm not really a big believer in like global domination <laughs> oh, I don't know global domination does make me a bit wary. <laughs> When you Sounds think of everything hard, it? that it entails, and then yeah. all the carbon that you need to admit to yeah. get to global domination. So, for us, if we were going to really um, do anything overseas, we would need to set up production in in places that were closer to where we were um, sending it to. Because New Zealand, I mean, we're at the bottom of the world. Like, it's not yeah, it's, it's not a convenient a great location place, for shipping. No. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's us for the moment with um, with export. And, you know, COVID came along and it kind of knocked over a whole lot of plans that we'd thought we wanted to do offshore. We were looking at setting up in the US, for example, and had found a contract manufacturer there and we we're looking at that. And then COVID came along and just ruined every plan. Um, yeah, and it oh, just made wow. us appreciate, you know, that our main business is here mm-hmm. in New Zealand and um, it wasn't really affected as much, so
0: yeah wow okay so yeah let's dip a little bit into that like what things were like for you guys during the lockdown because you are stocked in supermarkets and that's a big part of it so I guess you could keep operating couldn't you during that time as an, as an essential business what was that time like for you guys during the lockdown for you and the team
1: It was pretty weird I mean I can't say anyone liked it it was just awkward and strange and we couldn't see each other in person I was having morning Zoom calls with, you know, key team members to check in on them. And it was, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not nearly as fun as being able to all interact. (laughs) I feel like it's just such a big part of things, Mm. you know, the ability to see people face to face.
0: Absolutely. And did you have to do like one person working at the factory at a time and things like that?
1: Yeah, we had to break everyone into little pods. So we had um, yeah, we had to hire more people, which so strangely, while other people were laying people off, we were recruiting people because to break everyone into little pods so they didn't interact as much. Um, so we did that, and then all the extra sanitary steps and face masks and all these things. Um, it was weird. I'm glad that we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> things are, are kind of back lucky. to normal. It was... Um, yeah and just stressful and, and so much uncertainty and and for a lot of our team it was like personally unsettling because there's a lot of people who have their families overseas and so then you know they couldn't go visit them on holiday and their parents couldn't come see them and all these things so um yeah
0: yeah, just Not a the time. Yeah, you're right. And then kind of going, you've mentioned a little bit already about the impact that it's had in terms of plans and things. Like, it sounds like it has put a spanner in the works quite a lot for you guys, but you've still got your your base business here in New Zealand. So do, have you changed kind of tack a little bit in terms of how you go forward for at least the foreseeable future?
1: Um. Yeah well the main thing was the factory build so we're building a new factory so we're a few weeks in and then the lockdown happened and we had to send everybody home and so we're now like seven weeks behind schedule um with that so that's exciting um, though
0: how long will it take to finish that
1: we're hoping that we'll be in there sort of late August oh
0: um, okay oh not that so long we're getting,
1: yeah the roof's just gone on um it's getting there we had everything all organized sort of beforehand so and a lot of stuff was already getting assembled off-site or manufactured off-site um yeah so it's exciting so once we're in there um then we can start doing new things that's another big part of it we can't really we have no capacity to um launch anything in our current space because we're already maxed out in there um so yeah so it, it kind of just pushed everything out it just delayed everything um And we had weird sort of up and down sales over that COVID period as well. Um, Yeah, they weren't weren't consistent in how they normally are.
0: Got a lot of like projects and plans and you know, you're the kind of person that makes things happen and just gets on with it and it, I don't know about how you found it, but for me, it was quite frustrating. Like feeling like I couldn't just do things that I wanted to do. Yes. Not, not talking about going out for coffee and things, but like making things happen and and bigger things. You're like, it's just frustrating to have something outside of your control being like, nope, not doing that anymore. You
1: can't do nothing. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. But, but then as well, it kind of gave you the opportunity to, to have your dog arrive and to be really present in that moment. So I'm sure there was some silver linings there as well for you guys.
1: No, it was nice in lots of ways. I got to do a (laughs) lot more writing than usual, which was nice too. Mm.
0: So I will say a big thank you to you for coming on. Like I said, it's been a dream to have this chat with you. And I feel like we could say so much more that I will let you run on. And yeah, thank you for joining me. It was really fun. Thanks, Grace. Awesome. Thanks, Tish. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. So you might have noticed that the ending there was a little more abrupt than usual because Tesh actually had to run off just before the end because her puppy, who we heard all about during our chat, had escaped next door to chase the neighbor's cat. I can't say that we've had that one before. But it was such a great chat and even though Tesh didn't quite get to the part where I asked for a little snippet of advice at the end there, I thought I'd let her off the hook because she already shared so much wisdom throughout the episode. I especially loved hearing all about how they are using this business as a vehicle for doing good and all of her very practical and handy tips around getting things done. She balances her hippie lifestyle with her badass businesswoman vibe so well and it really was so fun to hear all about it. Thank you to you for having a listen in and if you are loving pep talk as much as we do, please tell a friend to have a listen and until next time, bye.